Welcome to the Well Community Church, helping people take their next step toward Jesus together. So that was part two of the um, Indigenous initiative that these churches are putting together, and they showed these at our General Assembly, and I thought, wow, this is so powerful that I'd love to be able to share this with our church, and they made the videos available. And we get to be part of this. When we give to the district ministry fund, that goes toward new ventures. That goes towards helping initiatives such as this. And it's so exciting to see what God's doing. And I thought it just fit in perfectly, especially as we're talking about live like it matters and that it will change the world. Because here's a small group of people saying, hey, God's starting to stir something up in our hearts and we should invest in a plane to see this through. Like, I thought starting a church in Binbrook was crazy. These guys are buying a plane. Like, oh man, I just, I love it. So we're back in our series, and we're, we're somewhat wrapping up our series, although next week is our, our final week of Live Like It Matters. But so far, we've looked at how it will change your life, how it will change your home, how it will change the church, and today we're looking at how it will change the world. And for those of you wondering... What I'm talking about when I say it, I'm talking about that powerful life-changing force that I would guess most of us have felt and experienced at one time or another in our relationship with God. Those moments of closeness with Jesus. Those times when you walk into someone's home and there's just a presence that you're like, something is different. Or perhaps you just even encounter someone and there's a joy and a kindness just oozing and overflowing out of them. And you're like, they have something that I want. And if you haven't experienced it yet, this message is still for you because this is your opportunity to get it and experience it. Now, I should also just point out, because I didn't at the beginning of the service, the guy walking around with the camera is Nick. Nick Burt. He works for our district, and they're actually putting together uh, some highlights, and they're going to put together an article on what God's doing in and through our community. So that's why he's taking <laughs> photos, um, and you'll see him moving around. But um, I'll be sending out an email this week, too, to get some of your thoughts and feedback, too, for the article as well. Uh, but I thought I should just point that out because I didn't earlier, and you're probably like, who is that guy? <laughs> um, now, also, I will say this. If you'd like to be removed from a photo, um, talk to Nick afterwards or talk to myself, and we'll make sure not to have you in any publication on our website or anything. But, oh. but friends, church, if, if, if Jesus has genuinely transformed us, we won't be able to stop it from transforming the world. We won't be able to stop it from transforming everything else. And this is the pattern of scripture. There's forward movement, there's progression, redemption, sanctification, transformation, and it's all things coming together and working together in harmony for the glory of God. Genesis through to Revelation, the first book of the Bible starts with two people in a garden who became separated from God. And then it ends in a city with every knee bowing before him and every tongue praising God. It will change the world. So let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 3. So if you're using the Red Bible in front of you, it's on page 1,690. 
So Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 3, says, After his suffering, he, Jesus, showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when, I'm, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, it is something to be shared. I can't stress this enough. It isn't about us. Church, it isn't about us. The moment it becomes about us is the moment we lose it. It's kind of like humility. My, my kids brought home the humility award from school uh, th this year, and, and Amanda made an Instagram post saying, I'm so proud of my kids. And I'm like, humility's right out the window right there. There's a weird tension. <laughs> Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses. You will be a person who shares what you've seen to Jerusalem, your hometown, the place where we're most comfortable, Judea, neighboring towns, and they had rejected the message of Jesus, so a little less comfortable. Samaria, now things get really uncomfortable because Jews avoided Samaritans. They saw them as outcasts and people who were less than, who couldn't be trusted. But like in the story of the woman at the well where we get our church name from, Jesus chose to go to Samaria and encounter people there. Samaria exists today for each one of us. It's those pl places where we least want to go. But Jesus is asking us to go out from what is most familiar and comfortable to be with those who are marginalized. And then Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses to the end of the earth. Because Jesus isn't just the Lord and Savior of you and me. Jesus is king of the world. You see, you can't experience it alone. We hear a lot about having a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's important. But when you read scripture, you see that God is actually calling us to a shared relationship with Jesus. It's communal. God wants you to share it. And yet for so many, the goal is to be independent. And these well-intentioned people fail to realize that to be independent is to be distinctly non-Christian. Jesus is all about bringing people together and we're trying to fight and go our own ways. Many people pursue a goal that is opposed to God's plan. God designed you to be interdependent. He wants you depending on him and on others. 
So if you want it, you'll experience it best when you live in authentic community with God's people. But why is this so hard? Where is the intimacy gone? Why are so many people relationally isolated? Why are people today living mostly independently and often alone? Well, I believe there's three things. There's the air conditioner, there's the garage door opener, and there's our technology. And I harp on technology enough, but I'm addicted to it just as much. But air conditioning, suddenly we don't have to sit on our front porches anymore and talk to our neighbors. We can stay inside. My first place I remember moving out on my own and my neighbors across the street must not have had air conditioning because they would eat out on their front lawn in the in the hot summer days and I'd be inside looking out across at them bundled up in a hoodie because my air conditioner was blasting I'm like oh I kind of feel guilty I'll close the blinds a little <laughs> and the same is true with the garage door opener now we can just pull right up and in and we don't even have to talk and see anyone on our street I believe those things are all, again, good things, but they can wither away at our relationships. Church, if we want to celebrate another five years, if we, if we even want to celebrate another year, we need to be sharing it with others. We need to be sharing the message and the hope of Jesus with our neighbors we need to be sharing Jesus with those around us, those we work with, those we might not even be comfortable being around yet. But here's what I love. You're not on your own. Jesus says you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, have you accepted Christ? If so, you have received a new spirit. But sometimes we need a little top up. We need to be continually filled with his spirit. We need to be walking with Jesus daily. We need to be in scripture. We need to be praying. We need to be keeping short accounts with other followers of Jesus. But as we go out and share it with others, we also need to know that it focuses on mindset over method. It comes down to what is your mind set on? Is it set on yourself your kids, your work, your problem, your worries? Or is it set on Jesus? As Paul reminds us in his letter to the Philippians, is it set on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and good? The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. And while it can be challenging to stay focused on a personal level, I believe it gets even more challenging when it comes to the body of Christ, to the church. I'll admit, as a pastor, my mind can sometimes become too focused on method. How can I grow our church? How can I create small groups? How can I create a rotation of volunteers? How can we offer more ministry opportunities? How can I make everyone happy? What are the other churches doing that we can copy? And you know what? While all of these things are good and necessary and things I'm responsible for as a pastor and leader of the church, we have to remember, though, that it focuses on mindset over method. 
So I want us to take a moment to think about the message of Jesus, especially in his final remarks that he gives to his disciples. In Matthew 28, it's the Great Commission, and he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. In Mark 16, he says, Go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. Luke 24, he tells them, This is what is written, The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Did you notice what Jesus didn't say? He didn't say, go start a church. Go start a parachurch organization. Or this or that. He, he said, love God, love people, and go and share the good news about me. Teach people who I am, who they are in light of me. Show people what love looks like. Invite people to repent and receive forgiveness of their sins. There's a great quote from Ed Stetzer and Daniel M. in their book, Planting Missional Churches. They write, everywhere Christians have gone to share the gospel, churches were formed. But you see, it starts with going to share the gospel. And then structure naturally evolves but we have to make sure to keep those in their proper order. As we share the good news of Jesus, churches will be formed. Our, our church will be strengthened. The church will be strengthened. People will come together. We, we will embark on this adventure together. We get to live life together, and we get to join in on the mission of God together. So not only is it something to be shared, but Jesus is more concerned about our mindset than on the, model, the, the model of how we're going to do it. We have to keep our mind focused on this. I see Bren sitting in the back corner. He's our church planning director from our sponsor church, Gateway. And, and I know I've come to him several times, and I've said, Bren, there's certain cultural things happening. How can I respond to it as a pastor and as a faith leader in the community? And he's always given me great advice, but he always brings me back to remember to stay focused on why we are here. We are here to point people to Jesus. We are here to share the hope of Jesus and help people take their next step toward him. And while we can respond in very good, loving, and compassionate ways, we also have to trust that God is using other organizations and other people in ways to meet some of those needs that we might not be able to. We can't be everything to everyone, but we can help people take their next step toward Jesus. Man, look at these two churches who've even come together. They buy a plane to, to go out and transform the lives of others. I love seeing the heart of Howard Jolly, too, who's a residential school survivor, who says, you know what, I've seen the mistreatment and the abuse of my people. I've seen things done in the name of Jesus that don't line up with who Jesus is. But you know what? I still believe 
in who the real Jesus is. And that's what I want to share with my people. Friends, are we so focused on Jesus? Are our minds set upon Jesus so that that is our heart too? That the, the other frivolous things don't really matter, but we want to get the love of Jesus in front of our neighbors. Because here's the crux of it. The method doesn't change lives. Jesus changes lives. It's never about the model. It comes from a faith-driven, Jesus-focused mindset of reaching people who are without Christ. So let's not waste our time obsessing over the different models and methods of ministry, but instead let's obsess over our mindset and whether or not we have an unbridled passion for reaching people with the love of Jesus. Because if it's going to change the world, it has to be kingdom-minded. Are we focused on building God's kingdom, or are we focused on building our ministry? Today, we're celebrating five years as a church, and it's exciting, and it's something worth celebrating. And as a developing church, we want to continue to grow and become self-sustainable and, and see people coming to Christ. But I'm going to ask a challenging question. How would you feel if another church in our community started growing? What if people started coming in droves to check them out and people were being saved and baptized? How would you feel if they were growing at such a rapid pace pace that they had to buy a massive plot of land and begin building a colossal worship center and you might think yeah but i haven't seen that happen lately in 2010 i was the youth pastor out in white rock bc a church came in and planted at a school just down the street from where amanda and i were renting they went from one service to two services to three services and before long in about two years, they were sitting at two to 3,000 people meeting in the Bell Symphony Center or whatever in Surrey, BC. And we're all just scratching our heads like, what are they doing? What, what's their trick? And you see, right away, our mind focuses to what model are they using? What methods? What do they have up their sleeve? Or perhaps we go the other way and we say, ah, oh, they must be soft on sin. They, they, they're not really preaching the gospel like we are. Because I admit, and I, and I have to repent that I was jealous, and I would be jealous if that happened in our community. But church, as your pastor, I, I, I'm, rep I'm repenting of this. I repent of this. If another church in our community is growing and people are coming to know Christ, I want to celebrate with them. I want to stand together with them. I want to work together. I want to help build the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of Kevin. Seriously, that I've been convicted all week as I've been preparing this message that I think I've been a little too focused on me. I've been a little too focused on, well, sure, of course I'll say like, good job, mountainside, but would it be nice to grow a little larger? Absolutely. So, Binbrook community, I am sorry for focusing 
on what God's doing in our ministry rather than what God is doing in our community. If we're going to live like it matters and change the world, we have to be kingdom-minded. Have you ever asked yourself what would happen if churches really worked together? Someone once said, snowflakes are one of nature's most fragile things, but just look at what they can do when they stick together. Think of what believers could do if we partnered together. I love some of the opportunities that we've already had to partner with other churches in the community. There's Messy Church, the Fall Fair, Lenten Lunches, Remembrance Day Service, the Service of Hope. But we can do better. We can do more. Here's what I believe. The more of it we give away, the more God will give back. That's exactly what Jesus promised in Luke 6.38. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Church, are we kingdom-minded? Are we willing to be radically generous? As we become more kingdom-minded, filled with the Spirit, joyful and generous, I truly believe God will increase our impact and our reach. Really, you can't imagine what will happen. Only God can see the whole picture. And we often don't know what he's trying to do until we're willing to take a risk. But if we truly believe we are his people, that this is his world, and we trust in him for eternity, what do we really have to lose? John Wesley said it well. Do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Church, we can do far more together than we can apart. You might think, well, it's easy to give a lot away when you're a big church with a lot of resources, and sure, that might be true, but I believe God wants us to give before it's easy. That's when it takes faith. I love our sponsor church, and that's even what got me into this crazy adventure of church planting. I reached out to them because I'd been having many discouraging conversations about the future of the church. And I reached out to the lead pastor, Steve, and said, hey, people are telling me I need to talk to you. God might be wanting me to plant a church in Binbrook, Within five minutes, he was so hopeful and excited. And he said, we've already tried to plant a church in Binbrook, but hey, let's do it again. They were willing to say, let's take a shot on this guy who just called me up out of the blue, and let's trust that God's doing something. Or like those two churches who started feeling stuff on their heart, and they came together. Craig Rochelle, the pastor of Life Church down in the States, they have a huge library of online resources because they chose to give all of it away. People were saying, charge money for it. They, had, they are the creators of the YouVersion Bible app, which you might have on your phone. People said, charge 99 cents for it. If they had charged 99 cents for it, they'd be half a billion dollars richer. If they charged for their other resources, they'd be that much more. But they said, no, we want to be generous. 
we want to give it away. And he said, a lot of people look at us and say, oh, well, you can do that because you're a big church. He said, when we decided to give everything away, we were $23 million in debt. They have a church online platform, which churches use for live streaming. And before COVID, it was 3,000 churches using it. Post-COVID and during COVID, uh, it went up to 30,000 churches using it. The cost of running it for their church alone went up $500,000 per month. But God has continued to provide for them. My prayer is that we are a kingdom-minded church. And as a kingdom-minded church, what would it look like if we started praying for the other churches in our city? Imagine the power of prayer touching God's heart as you ask him to bless, strengthen, and provide for other churches to fulfill their mission and glorify God. I want us to cheer others on and celebrate their ministry as we each impact our community in different ways. The more possessive and competitive we are, the more divided we become. A kingdom-minded ministry is more about what God is doing everywhere than what God is doing here. So yes, let's celebrate five years today with joy, but let's also pray, Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done. And whatever you have, remember that it's not yours. It belongs to God, and he wants you to give it away. And then he wants you to watch as he stretches it and spreads it around the world and multiplies it and uses it for his glory. This is how it will change the world. What can you do? More than you think. But it all starts with Jesus, who is with you, who is for you, and who's waiting to help you get it back. Because when you have it, it will change your life, your home, the church, and the world. But friends, let me just end on this. Don't miss this. Jesus is who you need and who's the answer to your problems. Let me close in prayer, and I'll invite Chris to come back up lead us in worship. Heavenly Father, oh God, help us to share the message of hope that we have in you. Embolden us to share about our relationship with you, with our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, even our family. But God, in order to share it, we need to have a vibrant relationship with you. And I pray that this morning you draw us near to you. Break our heart for what breaks yours. Help us see things from your perspective, from a heavenly perspective. And God, fill us with your Spirit's power to be your witnesses to the ends of the earth. God, I pray that we will be a kingdom-minded church and that we will recognize that we're not in competition with the local churches, but we are in partnership so that your name will be made known so that this community will be transformed for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.